Hello, you are listening to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudhaman, and joining us, as always, from Shanghai, it is our number one Mitchell Marsh fan, Darren Burns. <laughs> Thank you very much, Arun. What a rousing welcome. Yes, I am based in freezing Shanghai. I must say, the weather is quite fine today, not polluted, but um, very, very cold. And yes, I keep getting proved wrong again by about Mitchell Marsh. Um, so I'm eating my humble pie right now. Yeah, he's he scored another century, right? In uh, yeah, he did in, in the Sydney Test. He didn't take a wicket though, which was my biggest concern. Was his was also his bowling, and he hasn't taken a wicket yet. So there you go. <laughs> These are just details, Darren. He's not going to be in the top five all rounders anytime soon. Oh, <laughs> uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big call I, to start the show, isn't it? It's a big call. I. I mean, there aren't that many all-rounders. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like Mitchell Marsh could sneak in there. Well, Shakiba Al Sasan is pretty good. Um, even Vernon Philander, or maybe even Pat Cummins. There's a name for you. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> Better than I mean, Nolan Alley. Ben Stokes, <laughs> when when he returns to yes. to cricket, assuming um, assuming he will return to cricket at some point. Yeah, assuming uh, he will at some point. Moen Ali. Uh, He's really struggling, really struggling. Poor guy, having a tough time. Um, Ravi, Ravi Chandran Ashwin, I guess, would be one. Uh, Hardik Pandya. Hardik Pandya is an emerging star, and that le- leads us nicely into the series you all want to talk about today, which is really South Africa versus India. I mean, I'm not sure I really want to talk about it, but uh, <laughs> I guess we have to. Um, Gripping test match, I must say. It was such a, a, a fascinating game, really exciting. One of those games that never drifted at all. You just really couldn't stop watching it. Yeah, very intense. Very intense, especially it, after some of the Ashes tests. They were very were, dour, weren't they? The Ashes yeah, series was were. very dour. It was more like a game of attrition, whereas mm. this was like bang, bang, bang. I think 16 wickets in the last day, right? Um, those are exciting 18 to watch. wickets in the last day. And, you know, you thought I sent you a message and some of my Indian friends were saying, you know, can they chase 207, which seems doable, right? For sure. Yeah, so I'm curious um, to know, you know what I said. <laughs> uh, uh, I, you got a resounding no from me. Yeah. What did your other Indian friends say? I'm curious they were, to know. I think they were hopeful, but doubtful. <laughs> <laughs> the life um, of an Indian cricket fan. That's, that, that is true. I mean... Those kind of pitches were built for um, Vernon Philander, right? We, we talked about this before the uh, series, I think. It was really built for him. and I. But I was quite impressed by um, the way some of the um, Indian bowlers bowled, as I thought they might bowl well. So, I mean, again, to get South Africa out for 130 is not bad. Um, but just not getting over the line. 207 didn't seem like a big total, um, but just a bridge too far. Yeah, so I think what's clear is that this is... India's best pace bowling attack. Totally um, true. Yeah, that's been clear for, for a few years. And on, on a pitch like this, which was um, heavenly for bowlers, and a great, great advert for Test cricket, and and the importance of pitches that offer the bowlers something. You know, it wasn't all great for the bowlers. I thought um, Ab de Villiers batted really well. You got full value for your shots. Anything that got past the infield was kind of on its way to the boundary because it was it was as as the commentators like to say a lightning quick outfield um, 
the bouncer wasn't variable. It was true. There was a lot of movement there, a lot of seam movement, and even more after the rain, right? So this was just a, this was a, a, a test match that was wrapped up in, in two and a half days. Um, and, you know, we lo lost a whole day to rain, made no difference at all. After the rain, the pitch was really playing a lot of tricks. Indian bowlers bowled well in the second innings to take advantage of that. Um, the big problem, as, as ever, uh, the batting, the Indian batsmen just could not adapt to this kind of a pitch. And the South African bowlers were masterful, especially Philander, uh, also Rabada. Um, Morning Mokal, I think, also bowled well. They lost Dale Steyn, which is disappointing, um, but they didn't miss him at all. Uh, and, and, you know, the Indian batsmen just, you know, they couldn't cope. And we've seen this many times that, you know, for, for Newlands 2018, you can substitute any number of overseas test matches, mm. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought there was some, there was some, definitely some sunny spots there, though. I mean, if you look at what, how Hardik Pandya batted in the first innings, that was pretty, pretty impressive. I mean, he's a, he's a very uh, promising talent. I mean, I think if you, he's only 23, I think, about the same age as Mitchell Marsh. Maybe Mitchell Marsh is 24. Um, he's a very promising talent, I must say. Yeah. Mitchell Marsh off at the tender age. I haven't written him off. I'm saying he's very promising. With the bat. I'm oh, changing okay. my tune. Right. <laughs> I'm saying it's very promising. I'm a bit concerned. I'm a bit concerned about all the, Turn all the praise for Hardik Pandya. No, I, I really think I was impressed with him last year in the IPL, and I watched him in, in a test match last year, and I thought he was quite impressive. I think he's got something to him. He's a zippy bowler. He's aggressive, um, and he bats well. I mean, he, he's got a lot of potential. Uh, I just hope that, that they nurture him a little bit, and he, he comes through because he's got a real talent. He's a good example of long-term planning, and I would argue a rare example of long-term planning in the Indian cricket setup. Um, he he bowled credibly, you know, he's, he's, he's quick enough. Um, he batted well, although we have to remember he was dropped early on uh, in his innings. Well, that and happens to everybody, right? It does, and, he, and he, you know, he, he, he made full, full use of the respite. But, you know, he showed all the other Indian batsmen what to do on this kind of a pitch. Um, you know, none of the rest of them really were able to cope with the movement. You never really got the sense there was maybe a, I mean, over the two innings, maybe maybe an hour and a half combined, I I would say where you got the sense that that India were were going to be able to cope with the pitch. Um, but other than that, it, they really looked out of their depth, and you really have to question the policy. Um, of playing so many test matches on on really docile Indian pitches. I mean, it's one thing to play at home, but you know, even at home, India can prepare more challenging pitches. It's not yeah. impossible. I think it's a. I think it's kind of an existential threat to the game as well, isn't it? Really, I mean, putting together these docile pitches, it's bad test cricket. Like we talked about the MCG, right? I mean, the fans that went through there were bored, and they, you know. They, they, there was a there was a big crowd that walked through those gates and ready to see some you know entertaining cricket. And in the old days, the MCG was a result wicket. There was always a result there. Um, but these dour, flat, up and down pitches are really bad for the game. And I think the dust bowls in India seem to only be getting worse. Um, I think in Sri Lanka you see often a mixture of pitches. You do see some seeming pitches in Sri Lanka, I think, and some turning ones. Um, but yeah, it, it says a lot about like trying to sort of doctor the home conditions. Um, it's pretty poor. But one thing I would say is, compared to the MCG, the pitches in India will take turn at least. So you they will certainly get, will. <laughs> yeah, so you will get 40 wickets. And I yeah. think 
you know, that's fair enough. As long as pitchers deliver a result, I think that's okay. I think the, the, the issue really is that Indian batsmen are, are playing too much on turning wickets and it doesn't give them enough of enough experience in um, in unhelpful, you know, or, or unfamiliar conditions. And this is an issue, I think, for many teams. You look at the English batsmen, for example, uh, or, or the English bowlers who, who really struggle when they're outside home conditions. I mean, England's home record, uh, sorry, away record is atrocious. I think it's even worse than India's over the last... I think they've won uh, two tests, haven't they, in the last right. certain amount of time? And, you know, Australia struggled away from home. Uh, Pakistan uh, as, as well, although you know, they, they, they've only been able to play away from home for a long time. But it seems to be that every, many countries are preparing designer surfaces at home. I mean, South Africa are doing it for this series. Uh, you you can understand that. Uh, you should be able to, to make full use of home conditions, especially when it's these big marquee series, I feel. Um, but the net effect of that is that they struggle more overseas. And, you you know, watching Indian batsmen, uh, especially, you know, players like Shikhar Dhawan, Rohit Sharma, who have, who have never conquered overseas conditions um you kind of just feel like they're, they're playing two different sports almost mm. yeah i mean I, I i don't buy into this idea of having having to have you know the same test team wherever you go i, I think you do pick horses for courses and, and everyone else does the same thing and I, I think we've talked about this before on the show is that you also you know you need to work out how you're going to get people to play on those pitches right i know that mitchell marsh i think last summer played county cricket um, I think that obviously Mason Crane, who played first class or say, sorry, say played club cricket last year in Sydney, that really helped him, didn't it? One for 180 odd. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I think uh, I, I saw that coming a mile off. Um, yeah, you did. I telegraphed that one. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think he, you have to do it. For Otherwise, New South Wales as well, yeah, didn't he? I think he did. But, but how do you yeah. get better unless you do that? I mean, there's no there's no way unless mm. you play on those different pitches. And I think we've talked about it before that. You know, even sort of 10 years ago in Australia, every ground in Australia was quite unique. And, you know, Sydney was a turning pitch. Melbourne, it kept low. Um, Perth was fast. And so people in those days, I thought, got to play in all the different conditions, really. You think about it. That, that team that dominated for Australia in the 90s, late 90s and in the 2000s, that was a team that played in all conditions, really, because they, they had to. Whereas now, I think these drop-in up and down roads in Australia are not good. So, I mean, you, if you look at, I, I do have a concern when the likes of Kawaja and these guys go across to South Africa, I'm really con concerned about how they'll play. Uh, let's see. Happy to be proved wrong again. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, the, I mean, the other issue, I think, of course, is that they don't, the players are not getting enough time. There's not enough time now for them to acclimatize properly. Um, India on this tour, although I, I do feel, you know, I think Virat Kohli's wedding appears to have really affected planning <laughs> Team sentiment. Yeah, well, no. Not, oh, what about Shikhar Dhawan? Well, he came back. He, he came did. back. Maybe it's you shouldn't really, have. I, I was very disappointed. I was quite happy. I mean, I, you never, you're never happy to hear of an injury to a player, but I thought it was a, a blessing in disguise for India uh, because KL Rahul, you know, has a much better record away from home. He scored a, he scored centuries in Australia. Uh, but Shikhar Dhawan came in because they like to play the left-hander at the top of the order. Um, but they don't have time, you know, they came to, they pitched up in South Africa, they didn't even play a warm-up match. They said they'd be better off just playing in the nets 
And I'm not even sure the nets are mandatory. You know, I feel like yeah. they're just—I think they're just optional. <laughs> Go and have a hit if you want to. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's—it's it's ridiculous. You cannot—you cannot prepare for a test series against the best bowling attack in the world on yeah. that basis. And this is a one versus two, isn't it? This is number one versus number two. These are the best two sides yeah. in the world. So it deserves a bit of preparation, you think? You would think, but you know, they are so crammed with cricket that any chance of, yeah. a, of a rest, they're going to take it. And these are a warm-up to the six one-day games, aren't they, really? Three warm-up tests, <laughs> getting ready for well, the one-day games in the 2020s, right? This is all a warm-up for the IPL. I mean, it everything is, is really it a truly is. But coming back to the actual match, I feel like India, I think, actually probably lost the match with their selection. Um, you know, even before a ball was bowled, it was some very muddled thinking. First of all... Um, Playing Shekhar Dhawan in the first place, he, he, he perished in both innings to, to very unwise shots uh, that you just cannot play on, um, on overseas pitches. Uh, and then, of course, the, the really strange decision was to leave out Ajinkya Rahane, who averages 55 outside the subcontinent. Um, yeah, he bats well in, in conditions like Australia and England, for example. Yeah, he's, he? he's, he's a primarily a back foot player. He's, he, he's, he's got a very good record in... Australia, in England, and in South Africa. And they replaced him. Instead of him, they played Rohit Sharma, and, and they went in a batsman light. Yeah, I think they were a batsman um, light. Yeah, so that they could play Hardik Pandya. Uh, so that was kind of weird. Um, I also I, I didn't think it was a great idea to play Jasprit Bumrah, although he did okay in the end, uh, particularly in the second innings. In the first innings, he really did bowl like a... Like, someone who had not bowled more than 10 overs in a day for more than a year. <laughs> yeah, he probably hasn't. I, I'm a kind he of hasn't. a fan, though. I told you that. I think, I think did, I'm yeah, a bit yeah. of a fanboy. I think I, I like yeah. his... And I watched his second innings. I think he yeah. bowled quite sharply. He was quite good. He bowled good. very well. He bowled very well. If, if he bowls like that, he'll be fine. Um, but they were off colour in the first innings, Bumrah and, 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 and Shami. So India have got to really improve. There's nothing to suggest they will. Uh, <laughs> You're so optimistic. Arun, <laughs> I'm realistic. The optimist. I'm realistic. I'm um, real. I'm nothing if not realistic about. Indian see, that's cricket. that's why you're in journalism and I'm in, I'm in PR, right? <laughs> um, so I. Yeah, well, you know who needs some PR? It's Mitch Marsh. Let me tell you. <laughs> I think he's doing okay now. He's got a whole fan club, the Marsh fan club. They're yeah. a powerful lobby in Australia, apparently. Um, oh yeah, he's got a whole family. So <laughs> yeah, he does a whole family of marshes. Um, exactly. Yeah. A whole swamp of marshes. Um, yeah. <laughs> That was terrible. Um, yeah, so right. next next <laughs> test match is in um, Centurion. It's it's not going to have the lateral movement, but it's going to be bouncy. Uh, Dale Stain will not play, um, sadly. He looks yeah. really good, I must say, for someone who hadn't yeah, played test cricket he's, for a he's long a very time. Fit man. He, he just came back as if he hadn't missed a beat. Um, Otis Gibson still wants to play four fast bowlers. Yeah, I saw that news. <laughs> and why um, wouldn't you? Of course. <laughs> I mean, why not? They might as well drop Maharaj because I just feel he, in, the Indian batsmen just relax whenever he comes on. So I think they 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 could just drop him, uh, play one of the the reserve fast bowlers. Maybe uh, is it Felicuayo or Chris Morris or Dwayne Olivier, um, and add another batsman. You know, they would be, they, you know, they I I can't see South Africa. Um, stumbling. I mean, the one thing, the one problem for them is none of their batsmen fired, really, apart from A.B. de Villiers, who, who, again, having not played Test cricket for a while, batted brilliantly. Um, well, I think 
nobody looked good, great in that wicket. I think Pandya mm. top scored for the match, right? He was he looked well. A, a ninety three is like definitely like one hundred and fifty on that pitch, probably. Uh, he was dropped, okay, but so was um, Alistair Cook when he scored his double hundred in in Melbourne, right? Um, people get dropped all the time, so let's not harp on that. But I mean, that was a good performance, and I think yeah, I think du- Duplessis looked pretty good in the first innings as well, as well. So let's see what happens to Centurion. He looked alright. De Villiers kind of looked like he was batting on a different pitch um, when he was out there. The South African openers really didn't impress. Um, Amla's also looks a little bit out of form, uh, but. We'll see. I mean, the, would, would, when they're bowling this well, uh, it's hard to see. It's hard to see the Indian batsmen getting any respite. Yeah, you um, don't need too many runs, right? Yeah, and you know, they, they, it's it's hard. They're in a position now where they've got to play with intent. But um, but they're just you know, for, for too many of these batsmen, they're not. They're, they don't look sure of how to play on these wickets. Um, there is talk. I mean, there is talk. That the most likely change will be will be Dawan missing out, and um, Rahul coming back in. They don't apparently they don't want to drop Rohit Sharma um, for whatever reason, but they've got to play Rahane. I don't I, you know I, I just can't I can't see how they hope to to get a result without him. But we should probably say something about Vernon Philander. I mean he bowled brilliantly, man of the match. Um, big Vern. Big, <laughs> Big, big Vern never fails to impress. Um, you know, he, he, and again, he's not a quick bowler by any means. He's not rapid. Uh, I think he's someone's 128 to early 130s, but he really knows how to bowl in those semi conditions. I think he was impressive. You know, last year in Australia, he was great in the first test. It's just a wicket made for him, really. Um, and he's pretty handy with the bat, too. So he's a good package. Um, and so I, I think them losing Stain is unfortunate, but I, I think with Rabada now being the number one bowler in the world, right, being on the rankings, um, this guy as well. Um, you've got a pretty strong lineup there with Morkel, and I think you bringing probably um, one of the guys you mentioned earlier, the backup bowlers. I think it's still a pretty good, pretty good offering. Um, so it's it's hard to see them if they get similar wickets if India winning, but you never know. You know, hope springs eternal, man. You've got to be positive. And I think it's, I think preparation is a big issue too. I think you're right. You mentioned it before. I think if you, I mean, the, I, one of the great things that I think Australia did before the India Test Series, they went away to Dubai and worked on sort of rough pitches and, and dusty pitches and spinning pitches. And they've definitely improved, improved, that improved them a lot. And they played some warm-up games, but they really got themselves ready for the conditions. Um, Good nightlife too. Yeah. I imagine. Great, great nightlife. That's why they went there, I, probably, I guess, and versus going to India, uh, practicing in India on some of those wickets. Why don't we do some warm-up games in India? No, let's go to Dubai. <laughs> um, that would be the England team anyway. That's what they would have done. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I'm the sure. Australians are, are, are yeah, yeah you know, clearly. That's right. We're, you know, the Much more formed, sober bunch. Of much course. Much more sober bunch. Yes, they, they don't partake. I, I did see some of the um, behind-the-scenes video footage from the Ashes win. Um, do yourself a favor on cricket.com.au, uh, um, very entertaining scenes, um, including Steve Smith. Um, yes, drenching himself with beer and stuff. Um, so yeah, Vernon Philander, back to him. He's an impressive guy. Um, hopefully he stays fit for the series. It really does bring home the fact that you don't need to bowl quick if, um, if you can move well, if the pitch helps you, and also if you're able, if you're a skilled operator like he is, and you can move the ball 
off the pitch and you're, you don't rely necessarily on atmospheric conditions either um but if you can move the ball both ways off the pitch like almost like a glenn mcgrath right who who yeah i think who, i think Vern is a bit of a green top bully though um I think when the pitches slow down, I mean, some you have to find because sometimes you do get a dry pitch or a turner, right? You have to work out that what your variation is going to be. Um, and I think he does. He, he we've seen that in Australia too. He does struggle a little bit on some of the when the flatter pitches because he becomes like a medium pacer basically, right? An up and down bowler. Um, so again, back to my point about horses for courses, right? I mean, I think you've really got to look at your attack and your batsman too, based on the conditions, right? And there are definitely some batsmen who bat better in in turning conditions. There are batsmen who bat better on faster wickets. You've got to pick those people who are playing, you know, in the conditions. You can't just have one eleven or one twelve man team you carry around everywhere. I think it doesn't make any sense. So, um, I think the Indian bowlers, you know, have the skills, right? I think they just probably are not used to the conditions. They probably have the skills to route South Africa, but they probably just don't have the preparation needed. Yeah, well, the bowlers certainly, I think, are, are going to be okay. Um, I, I think it's much harder, for whatever reason, for batsmen to adapt um, than it is for bowlers to adapt. Uh, remember, you know, batsmen only get one chance. Well, you get many chances. Yeah. Like, often you play and miss and you don't get an edge, right? Uh, but often you get a good one and you're out, right? So you, you do get chances, um, sometimes. But then sometimes you nick off first ball. <laughs> Look like an idiot, right? Um all right. Indeed. Okay, so moving on, we should talk about the end of the Ashes. Um, <laughs> that old chestnut. Uh, another, another thumping win for Australia in the pink test in Sydney. That's right. Not the pink ball test, the pink test. No, the pink test. So talk us through that one um, and tell us what stood out for you. Well, well according to Glenn McGrath, the foundation they raised about 1.5 million US, Australian dollars, sorry, Australian dollars for breast cancer and, and in-home nursing. So that was good. That's why it's called the pink test. But, you know, if you look back, I guess we'll have our thoughts here, um, Arun, on just some reflections, I guess, now that we have a bit of perspective after the um, series finished. So I thought what was interesting for me was it started as um, number three versus number five, and it ended up number three versus number five, except, you know, Australia is now number three and England is number five. So I don't know how that happened, but it did. Um, it was a dour series, I'd say. I think Australia won through attrition and pressure versus, I mean, the last time England were in Australia, basically Mitchell Johnson just blew, blew the batsman away, right? I mean, he was just devastating. He was a one-man band to a degree. He was well-supported. But I think this time it was more of a team effort. The bowling in particular, as we thought might be, be the case, stood up. All the bowlers took 20-plus wickets, the Australian bowlers, and only four bowlers took the wickets to fall to a bowler. That was the first time ever, I think, in, in an Ashes series. Uh, so there were no part-timers, no fifth bowler took a wicket, just the four main guys, which I thought was quite interesting in each test. Um, again, Mitchell Marsh got no wickets, just saying. Um, I think there were some great highlights for me for, for, for the England team. I think M Milan definitely is a find. His yes. average was up around 50, 45. I think he looked pretty good. He looked like a calming, stabling influence. I'm, you know, I'm, mm. I'm projecting a bit, Arun. I'm rounding up. Uh, <laughs> Vince looks very pretty, doesn't he? Um, but he never scores any runs. He, he averages 25 for the series, I think, mid-20s, right? He looked kind of good, though. He looks, he looks like he can play. I'm just wondering if there's something that they can do. Is it his mindset or something else? But he looks like he can really play. Um, and that was it. I thought, obviously, um, Jimmy, he tried his heart out. He was a pick of the bowlers by far. 
But um, yeah, overall, it was a pretty dour, boring series, I'd say. Yeah, it was. It was one-sided. Um, there's there's the usual post-mortem now, um, which follows, you know, the defeat. England, England go to Australia, get hammered. And now, now, now the big post-mortem follows, where you really will hear every single excuse trotted out. Um, you know, everything from the 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 so, you know some quite valid reasons uh looking at the structure of the county game uh, but of course those have been you know those, those those issues have been around for 30 40 years now to um Ian Botham's kind of, of, of favorite favorite excuse that the players just didn't want it enough yeah it's, <laughs> it's all about that because that's apparently all you need uh, i mean we've been here many times before a couple of things I would say. One, and we talked about this in the last podcast, but there's clearly an issue with, with the English bowling stocks in terms of their ability to bowl quick and take the pitch out of the equation um, on these kinds of surfaces. Uh, that's the first thing. And and if Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson are not bowling as well as, as, as they can do, then it, it becomes an even, even more of an issue. Um, the second thing, I guess, it's probably kind of a, two related issues. And you mentioned James Vince. Um, there are players in this team who you wonder why they're in the team, I feel. They don't have particularly high first-class averages, um, like, say, a James Vince, uh, even a Mason Crane, for that matter. Um, and there is a, a view out there that sometimes players are getting picked for England because of the type of person they are. <laughs> Like a good Rather drinker. Than, <laughs> um, they're, well, I don't want to say that, but they, they fit in well. They gel well. They have the right character. Um, rather than necessarily ability. And honestly, you can, it's not a, a big jump to go from there to, um, to the kind of thinking, I think, that saw Kevin Peterson's yes, I was test, career, test career ended you know, before time, if you ask me. Um, and if you, it's, it's interesting to read, you know, because you don't see people saying this out loud so much, but if you, if you read below the line, the comments on some of, the, some of these stories, there's definitely a view in England that um, players from private schools, from independent schools, the right kind of chaps are, uh, are, are maybe preferred. Um, although, you know, people said that in particular about Alistair Cook um, being, becoming captain. Uh, and, you know, he wasn't a brilliant captain either. So, you know, I just wonder how much of an issue that is. You know, James Vince is a lovely player on the eye, but in a way he's kind of the, the archetypal uh, English county batsman, dare I say it. Um, Journeyman. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, got a lovely cover drive, but he's not, he's not sticking it out. Um, Mason Crane as well, you know, great, great, uh, great background, went to all the right schools. Um, yeah, I was listening to some commentary the other day about... Um, you know, some, some of the commentators were saying, and I won't, I won't put them on the spot who they were, but they were saying England needs to plan now for the next Ashes in Australia. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's four years away. Like, who can plan four years in a cricket team, right? I think some of the, some of the post-mortems are absolutely ridiculous. And I think one of the things I listened to was Graham Swan, and he was quite funny, and they asked him about, you know, 2010, why they won in 2010, uh, 2011, right? And he said they just played better than Australia did. He said Australia was a bit on the decline, they probably played a bit better. They won the key moments, and that was really it. They didn't prepare for you know a year or six months. And 
the reality is you can only pick the players you have at the time, but you can't pick a bowler just because he's a fast bowler who bowls rubbish, right? Um, it has to be somebody who's good, and you can only pick from what you've got. Uh, and I think selectors always, they'll try and pick on, uh, pick people with a bit of potential, and I think we've seen that with the likes of David Warner and those kind of people. They give them a shot and see how they go. Um, but yeah, the, the question does beg, 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 beg an answer, and I think something I found was also interesting is that Trevor Bayless came out and said that he won't leave before August um, 2019, which is actually the, the day his contract expires anyway. So <laughs> I think he was being preemptive uh, in the media by saying that he's going he's gonna to sort of roll over and leave uh, in, in August next year, which is actually the end of his contract anyway. Um, so he's going to stay through the end of the next Ashes uh, and also the World Cup next year, of course. So interesting times. Well, Trevor Bayliss is, is possibly part of the problem because he was brought in for his one-day credentials. Yes, he was. And they've um, done pretty well with that. No, and, you know, England, England have definitely needed to improve as a one-day team, and they have improved as a one-day team. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of that is down to Trevor Bayliss. But, you know, it doesn't seem like Trevor Bayliss himself is that interested in test cricket. <laughs> uh, That's the rumour. So, so, well, yeah, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a great start. So maybe they um, should have brought in Jason Gillespie. Uh, Dizzy. Yeah, Dizzy. He was he was uh, yeah. one of the people they talked to before they appointed um, old Trev. They, yeah, but he. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, I'm I'm never that convinced of how important the coach is. I think you said it. You pick the best players you've got. I think England. Maybe they didn't pick their best players, but they picked most of their best players, and. They're just not good enough. They weren't good enough on this tour. They're probably not good enough at this moment to go to a country like Australia and win. I, I, I would, yeah, I think the coach is very important too, I must say. Um, work, working together with, with, the, with the captain and the senior leadership and the team, I think those are very important uh, players. I mean, sometimes when you're on the field captaining, you don't see things. And I think the, the manager, maybe see, the manager or the coach sees stuff or can give you some guidance. I think it's great to have a person to bounce around ideas with. Uh, as well so all right maybe i've just convinced myself of this because maybe Ravi shastri is the indian coach or even listening to shane Warne. well you know shane Warne knows a thing or two about cricket and he was uh, never a fan of john buchanan he was, <laughs> what's he going to coach me how to do um <laughs> all right um so just on just on the um on the ashes i i actually did some research you did you'll be amazed to hear very impressive Arun. because we were discussing um the the kid mason crane uh, and and i think uh, you you had a, a slightly more optimistic um perspective on his prospects so i did some research into english leg spinners so so mason crane as, as our listeners are probably aware um had a pretty torrid time in the test match i think uh, what was it? One for one hundred and eighty. Yeah, something like that. Um, but don't forget, Shane Warne's first test was very similar figures. Yeah, Just that was saying. against India um, in and, Sydney. Uh, I, I'll, I'll never forget that match because I listened to it on shortwave radio to the uh, what's the Australian radio channel? Um, ABC. Grandstand. Maxwell. Yeah, Grandstand ABC. Yeah, um, it was amazing. That was the match. Ravi Shastri scored a double century, and Sachin Tendulkar scored a century. Um, great test match. Yeah, you're right. You're right. His figures were were poor. Um, I don't think Mason Crane is going to be the next Shane Warne. Um, I'm just you heard it first it out there. on Cricket Ultras. 
You heard it here first. So I did some research because, you know, I couldn't think of any English leg spinners. And there's a good reason for that. The five most successful English test leg spinners. The most recent of them played in 1951. Doug Wright. <laughs> he took 108 wickets at the average of 39. The rest of them, I mean, the highest average is Alf Titch Freeman. He stood five foot two, apparently. I love that name. Um, 66 wickets. 66 wickets at 26. Um, yeah. 66 wickets at 26. Not bad. But his career, his career ended in 1929. And then you've got three others. Um, but, you know, they all played before, um, before the 50s. Since then... Uh, I think England have had um, four or five or maybe six leg spinners who have played more, who've, who've got to double figures in tests. Um, but none of them, you know, have been have been impressive. Ian Salisbury took 20 wickets at an average of 77. Wasn't that wasn't that um, Stuart Broad's average for the Ashes series? Um, Very similar, I imagine. Yeah, but Stuart Broad's. He's a work. He's a work. I like Stuart Broad. Let's, yeah, let's not damn Stuart Broad by comparing him okay. to Salisbury. Yeah, that's not. And then you've got Chris Gofield. <laughs> Sorry, Stuart. Played two games. Scott Borthwick uh, played one Test match. Adil Rashid, of course. Um, ah, yes, of course. Who, who did take five wickets in an innings, but his average as a Test bowler is is uh, pushing forty. Um, and that's that's really it. Um, so there's. It's not just pace bowling. England don't produce any leg spinners. Uh, and I think that's, that's obviously an issue, right? You know, it, it, a, a world-class leg spinner. I mean, not many countries do produce world-class leg spinners, if we're being honest. Uh, but it wouldn't hurt. But there are a lot of wrist hurt. spinners now playing um, T20, right? These, these guys seem to be the find of the T20, right? Wrist spinners seem yeah. to be the best. Um, Yasir Shah and... Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Rashid, Rashid um, Khan. Khan. Mm. Um, Adi Rashid. Yeah. India have brought in two um, yes. two leg spinners and they've dropped Ashwin and Jadeja from their one day, from their limited overs teams. Because it seems clear in those formats, you've got to have wrist spin. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't seem like those bowlers are necessarily good enough for the, for the test level. Well, I think they don't work on the test level. I mean, we're going we're gonna to talk about mm. this in another episode, I believe. Um, but, you know, a lot of you know, guys from, you know, Afghanistan or Pakistan, you know, they, they can do make much better money working, plying themselves on the T20 circuit, right? Versus, working, you know, bowling for their country or wanting to be a test bowler. Um, and, you know, fair play to them. But we won't talk about it today. That's for another, that's for another issue. Uh, but just on the ashes, so Australia are going to tour South Africa next after India. Yes, League. they are in March. Um, apart from obviously dropping Mitchell Marsh, um, are there any... <laughs> Any other changes you expect from this squad? You know, I don't think they'll make any changes. I think they, they might even keep Cameron Bancroft. Um, I, I think it's unfortunate for, for the guys who have gone before. They might put... Um, what about yeah. Glenn Maxwell? Yeah. Because, I mean, it seems to be that the only thing you must not do is select Glenn Maxwell. Yeah, and I think I, what I thought was quite interesting last week was Steve Smith's comments publicly about Glenn Maxwell, which I thought were a complete diss. Um, what did he say? He said publicly at a press conference that he needs to train smarter, get into the nets more, and stop doing his fancy shots. Um, so it was a real slap in the face to poor old Glenn. Um, 
he seems to not to be the flavor of the month. I, I don't know if there's an issue with, with Steve Smith and some of the other players, but maybe they think he's too much of a showboat. Back to your point earlier about, you know, fitting in with the team culture. But um, yeah, he, he's, he's been told to go back to Shield Cricket, scored a double hundred, he's been batting pretty well. I think he'll be definitely part of the, of the touring party, or I would hope he would be. Um, he seems to have been left out of the one-day series against, um, against England at the moment, but, but Chris Lim was injured. They might bring him back in, but um, interesting to have him alongside Steve Smith after all those comments. So we'll see. Mm. Yeah. So no changes you don't expect? No, I think they'll bring any, in... Any major changes? I don't think so. And they'll probably bring it along yeah. Jackson Bird and maybe Chad Sayers. Chad Sayers Chad. is a bit more of a seam, seam bowler um, who, who would do well on those kind of wickets. I mean, I can't believe in the last podcast we had Bird and Crane. Yeah, and, and I, I somehow managed to miss the obvious um, avian-related joke. There. Um, <laughs> you kind neither, of got to it a little bit. Neither took flight. Yeah, neither took flight. Well done. You did. I think you did mention that last time. No, I mentioned it with birds, Bird. But I mentioned it with Bird, but not with Crane. Mm. Are Cranes flightless birds? Uh, cranes do fly, I think. Yeah, they do. But they didn't take yeah. off, so they're flightless. Maybe not in Sydney. Wings, they, they had their don't. wings clipped. <laughs> not in Sydney, they don't. Yeah. Although, uh, although apparently, just to just to stretch this um, analogy, probably beyond the patience of all of our listeners. Yeah, you're probably testing it. Apparently, Mason Crane really did get some quite nice flight on his <laughs> deliveries. According to Shane Shane Warne. All right. Oh, I felt I felt Shane Warne was being just a little a little too patronising. Well, he was kind of like you know, if if your 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 son is bowling. <laughs> uh, or batting yeah if you're a marsh um although i i feel a little um i i'm rarely soft on my son when he mm. plays cricket are you as he will tell you no no he's he's given up cricket by the way are you a hard taskmaster <laughs> i think if you're gonna play it then you know play it with the right attitude that's right play Treat it hard. the game with the respect it deserves play it hard or don't play <laughs> yeah absolutely it's not about playing the game um, it's about winning um, Interesting thing about Joe Root, if he captains the 21-22 Ashes, which he probably will, I think, um, I, you know, there's nothing to, to suggest he won't be captain in three years' time. He will become only the second English captain in a century, I think, to captain two consecutive overseas Ashes tours. I'll take your word for that. Yeah, I just read it because usually the Ashes tour is is yes. you know it is the career end, ending. It's career ending, <laughs> or, or making. If you win one, you retire like you know um, Michael Vaughan, and you make a mint out of talking about it for the rest of your life. Yeah, well, there's only been three, right? In the last three decades, there was Mike Gatting, uh, Gatting, Vaughan, and Strauss, mm. English English captains that have won. And they've all done well, right? So Strauss has become director of English cricket. Vaughan's making doing very well at his commentary. Uh, Gat. Gat, the Gat. I don't know. I've seen the Gat in Gats. Shanghai before. Um, I mean, Gat's, he's in hospitality, let's just say. He was bringing over MCC players into China. I think it involves, yeah, it involves food. He didn't like, when we asked him about the ball of the century, he didn't like it. No? Mm. Did you ask him about the, his, his lunch of the century? Sure. <laughs> we didn't ask him he's about probably, his lunch. He's, he's, he's probably better qualified for that question. Mike Gatting is, is well known. For his fondness for food. I mean, if you've ever read, you know, any accounts of, of cricket in the 80s and 90s, there is always some story about Mike Gatting. <laughs> is he a foodie? Food. Would you call him a foodie? I'm not sure he was that discerning. 
Yeah. I'm not sure the, the fair on offer either in most English county grounds is what you might call, um, you know, you, you would class as foodie gastronomic <laughs> delights or, or even, you know, the kind of hipster Lamburgers that I know you favour. <laughs> that are, that are um, quite prevalent in behind the stands in Perth. Well, I think, so if you read Simon Hughes's books on, on English county cricket, and, and Gatting was his captain at Middlesex, and, that, you know, there, there are whole chapters devoted to, to Gat's prodigious... Appetite. Uh, prow- yeah, appetite. Uh, talking about food here. Um, you know, the, the famous story as well about uh, the barmaid uh, and Mike Gatting, um, which in fact I think cost him the England captaincy in the end. Uh, I think Ian Botham's comment was, "Anything that Mike Gatting takes up to his room after eleven p.m. he eats." <laughs> so this story Dear can't me. be true. Yeah. Dear indeed. me. He's an interesting character. I mean, a very good cricketer, but now when people talk about him, he's often just viewed as, as just you know someone who 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 ate a lot, someone who was the victim of ball of the century. And, of course, someone who argued on the pitch with the Pakistani umpire. And also won, that's right, and I think walked off the field, but also won in Ashes. Won in Ashes overseas. In Australia, yeah. Yeah, 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 with a a very good team. Um, Yeah, okay, so last thing, very quickly we'll touch on this, I think. Um, Interesting story that has come out in the last couple of days. Um, There's an ICC meeting... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, a meeting of the ICC Cricket Committee. Um, M- sorry, MCC World Cricket Committee. There's a lot of committees, there is a lot of committees. in World Cricket, and there's a lot of acronyms. Um, and it's it in this meeting, Shakib Al-Hassan, Bangladesh all-rounder, and in fact, prob- probably probably the best all-rounder in the world. Yeah, he is the best um, all-rounder in the world, I'd Especially say. When, when Ben Stokes is indisposed. Um, he has, has, has recounted how many Bangladeshi players are really not that keen on playing test cricket because they can earn so much more playing in these domestic 2020 competitions. And this is a real issue because um, there's such a massive discrepancy in player wages around the world. And so what he has asked is that the ICC do more to ensure that the money that goes to the cricket boards actually gets to the players. Uh, you know, I'm... I'm... I'm a bit on the fence in this one. Um, on the one hand, I think it's, you know, and sport is entertainment, let's be honest. And pay normally goes to where sport is the most entertaining, right? So I think if you look at the numbers on, on T20 cricket, I think uh, that's a big distraction. I think a lot of people are playing for clubs, you know, sort of journeymen for clubs. I think um, there is misappropriation of, of, of funds in several countries. Um, but I think they've, in the article, I think it highlights, for example, the salary of Steve Smith versus uh, the Zimbabwe captain, which is, um, I can't even recall yeah. his name, isn't that bad? Graham Kramer. 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 Uh, who earns $86,000 a year, whereas Steve Smith earns one point five, And of course... Million. Yeah. 1.5 million. 1.5 million, so yes. Just so we're clear. <laughs> yeah, it's not like $1.5. Yeah. Thank you. And Virat earns about a million a year, uh, apparently, which is obviously they earn many more times that in sponsorships and, and, and playing in the IPL and that kind of stuff. But those are paid by the board directly. Um, but I don't know. What do you do? Do you say that Graham Kramer should be paid half a million dollars a year or a million dollars a year to be the Zimbabwean captain? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm well, still I sort of it, thinking it about it. It comes down to... 
So there's, there's various factors, and we'll talk about it more on a future episode, but a lot of it does come down to how much, how much, what the board's revenue is. Exactly. And what proportion of that is going to the players. Uh, so India, for example, I think they have a, they have a fixed percentage that has to go to the players. Yes, um, that's but, what the Australian one has as well, yeah. Right, but I'm not convinced that's the case in Bangladesh and Zimbabwe, and um, it's, it's an issue if you worry about test cricket, I guess, as I'm sure you do. I do worry about test cricket. Oh, um, and one final thing before we go, because you brought up Chinese brands and how they're all over Indian cricket. Um, I, I, I was actually kind of unaware of this, um, but this Chinese mobile brand, Oppo, are yes, you familiar Oppo, with Yes, Oppo, of course, yeah. So they're the, like the primary sponsor of the Indian cricket Yeah, team. absolutely. Darren, who are Oppo? I mean, I live in Hong Kong. <laughs> Oppo and Vivo are owned by the same company. They're very big Chinese mobile phone brands. I think they're in the top five in China and okay. they've expanded rapidly into Southeast Asia. Uh, and also into India. When I was in India, uh, Mumbai actually last year, I was very surprised. There was outdoor advertising everywhere for Oppo. There was TVCs. There were endorsements from Virat Kohli, I believe. Um, sometimes it's hard to distinguish between Oppo and Vivo because they're owned by the same the same holding company, but they're everywhere and they're expanding rapidly. I think they're also sponsoring the FIFA World Cup uh, in Russia. So... Yes, they're very, very aggressive on the international stage, and I think their strategy around sport in India is obviously the right one. So they're really going after the Indian market because I've noticed... They really are. Yeah, their models, and Vivo as well, um, and obviously Huawei yeah. is popular in India. Yes. I think ZTE Yes. as well. Yeah. All clients of yours, I imagine, <laughs> or, or, or will be very soon. <laughs> yeah, we can, talk about, we can talk about that another time. I'm sure our, our listeners would love to talk about... Um, PR and who's doing what for different agent, uh, different companies. Yeah, cool. no, we'll, we'll spare them that. Um, <laughs> we'll spare them. Darren, thank you very much, as always. Uh, we'll be back next week. So the next test, uh, South Africa, India, is on the 13th. So we'll probably do the next one. Well, I imagine that'll be over in two or three days as well. Um, so we'll, we'll be back in a week. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, get us on iTunes. Please do rate and review us. Um, and we'll be back soon. And we promise to have a new logo very, very soon. Oh, yes, we do. Okay. We, have a, we have a lovely pink logo. Thank you for that, Darren. That will be up shortly.